want to thank our worship team once again for just being flexible, uh, coming outside and not having the normal and usual technology and help to do certain things as a challenge for them. And they just never complain. They're just flexible to just serve the Lord and, and lead our church in great worship. I'm so glad that you're here. And this is a very special day. I was thinking as we were singing, as you were singing the words to that one song, in your house there's a place for me. And I know most of you are probably saying, that place is right inside where the air conditioning is. I'd like to be there right now. And I get that. I get that. But isn't it awesome that God just gave us some clouds? I'm not sure if that's a a blessing to us or a review of my sermon. We'll see. But I'm glad you're here today. I was thinking that just a year ago, a year and a few weeks ago, we were out here having another service, and uh, after that service, we stood in a line that had been uh, spray-painted on the ground of the whole new building that was going to be built here, and there was nothing there. And we stood and we prayed, and, and we prayed, and we asked God to uh, help this building get built. Uh, we asked Him to protect the workers as they uh, did the job, which He did, and we asked Him, uh, more than anything else, to help us use the resources that He has given us in a wise way. We have a saying that we like to use around here. You know, one of our responsibilities is to turn dollars into disciples. What we mean by that is, uh, as offerings come to Fellowship of Grace, our goal is to find the wisest, most efficient, most effective ways to turn those dollars into the transformation of people's lives. Now, we know that we don't have the power to transform anybody's life, uh, but we know that God does, and so we look to do that. But I'm glad you're here on this very special day. If you don't remember, we actually broke ground on May the 6th of last year. And we expected the project to take around 9 to 10 months. Uh, and here we are 14 months later, finally done. Now, of course, we did choose to build during the wettest winter and spring in 50 years. And so that's, uh, that's pretty much on us. Uh, but there's so many people to thank on a day like this. Um, Man, I'm just uh, overwhelmed at the friends and people that are here. Uh, um, David Evans, uh, David, just wave. Yeah, David Evans is the uh, president of the architect uh, firm that uh, designed the building. So everything you see today as you walk in, and, and man, that's cool, that's cool. They did that. And they've been working with us the whole time. We've had meetings every two weeks. They've stayed right on top of it. We thank you, David, for you and your team and for all the help that you gave us. Is there anybody here from Pierce Construction today? I know they had some other responsibilities. doesn't look like they're here, but Pierce Construction did all the construction for us, and we thank them too. I also want to thank uh, all the volunteers who helped to insulate, paint, clean, and demolish. Our church actually took on the responsibility of doing all the demolition, except for the outside walls, uh, all the demolition, all of the insulation, putting in all the insulation, doing all the painting, and um, uh, taking care of all the cleanup. And that saved our church a little over $100,000 on the project. And so thank you to those of you who sweat. Uh, if, you, if you helped out with one of those things, just raise your hand up. Right? Come on, don't be shy. Raise your hand up. Uh, be sure and thank these people today sometime, okay? And also, I, don't wanna, uh, I can't help but to thank those who have given sacrificially, financially, uh, their resources to help uh, get this built. And uh, thank Quick Trip for being our neighbor and moving in and, and buying that property from us. That was a big help to us also. Thank you, Quick Trip. By the way, I also have great donuts, just so if you, if you didn't know that. okay. Uh, most of all, I want to thank God for leading us here, giving us the resources and the vision 
uh, to build this and now to use this building to reach the people of Parkville and the Northland with God's message of his love. Let me just share today a few thoughts, and I'm not going to keep you out here terribly long in the heat, but I do want to tell you a few things what a church building is not, because I think there's a lot of confusion at times about church buildings. Here's the first thing that a church building is not. It's not a monument. Uh, By the way, if you uh, want to follow along with the um, sermon notes, they are in the Fog app, if you want to do that. The church building is not a monument. You know, a monument is something that's a reminder of the past, it reminisces. It's something we're grateful for in the past, and maybe we're thankful for God's faithfulness in the past. And, and that's all good. We're thankful for that too. But we don't want to get stuck there, folks. We don't want to get stuck there. We should always be celebrating what God is doing now, not just what he has done in the past. In fact, one of the characteristics, one of the main characteristics of a church that is dying is one that's only able to celebrate the past. They can only look back and see what God did uh, 10 years ago. Remember what God did 50 years ago? Remember what God did 25 years ago? There's never any mention of what God is doing now or what they hope he does in the future. That's one of the characteristics of a church that's going to die soon. And so we want to celebrate the past but never get stuck in it. It's also not a, a medal or a trophy. This building is not a testament to how good we are or how great our church is. It may be a testament of faithful givers and God's direction, but that's certainly not its purpose just to, uh, you know, celebrate what we could do. It's not a representation of, of where we are in the competition for who has the biggest, nicest, coolest church building, because by the way, we are not in that competition. We never have been, we never will be. We're not in competition with other Bible-believing and preaching churches, folks. We're partners with them. This is not about building our kingdom. It's about building his kingdom. So the church building is not a monument. It's not a medal or a trophy. And it's not also the church itself. What's that you say? The church is not the church? That's right. The church building is not really the church. The church is the people of God doing the will and the activities and the ministry that God has called us to. We call this building the church, and and there's no terrible thing about calling it that. But we need to remember um, that our culture really has two definitions. They use the word church most often for the building. We use the word church most often for who the people of God are and what we are together. Fellowship of Grace was a church long before we had a a building. We were a church the whole time that we were meeting and worshiping together at the comedy club in Zona Rosa. We did that for four years. We were a church while we were worshiping at Congress Middle School on Sunday mornings. We moved in and out of there every Sunday morning for four years. We were a church while we were meeting on this site on Sunday nights because New Covenant Baptist Church, who was on this site, was graciously allowing us to use their building as a place to be the church. So that brings up several questions. Couldn't we continue being the church without a building? Couldn't couldn't we continue being a church without expanding? Couldn't we continue being a church without even a location? The answers are yes, yes, and yes. We could have continued to be a church. However, we were at a place A few years ago, we were at a place where we were actually being hindered 
being able to grow without some kind of building change. While we were a church before, there is an incredible advantage in our culture, folks, for having a location and a building. And, and this may be stuff that you don't really know about much or you don't think about much, but the community sees us as valid when we have a sign out front, when we have a building that they can look at. It just gives us some level of legitimacy in their minds. People who don't understand church yet don't think that uh, they, they don't think we're some fly-by-night cult that doesn't really exist, which you get sometimes when you're moving in and out of a comedy club. It gives us an anchor in the community, a place of belonging. We live in Parkville. Fellowship of Grace lives in Parkville, in the midst of the community of Parkville. Our culture gives legitimacy and validity and, and a certain sense of acceptance to churches with locations and buildings. That's just a part of our culture. Can we be the church without the building? Yes, of course. But does the location and building help the community see us as valid and legitimate? Yes, of course. You see, one is a theological question, and one is a question of perspective and functionality. Theologically, we've been a church since the first day we opened. But practically speaking, when we moved in here and, and merged with New Covenant Baptist Church, uh, we became somewhat more legitimate and real in the eyes of many in the community. We were previously hindered because we were feeling kind of maxed out in some areas. It's going to be, for those of you who've been here over a year, it's going to be hard to really remember these things, but if you can remember back, we had a foyer that wasn't much bigger. In fact, it wasn't probably as big as this patio. And uh, on Sundays when it would rain... And people couldn't talk outside, and we had to switch between services. And I talked a little longer than usual, you know, five minutes in the first service. Man, it was hard to get everybody in and out. I mean, guests were coming and feeling like it was so full, there's no place for me. We were running out of children's space in several uh, areas. And when guests come and they give their child over to somebody and the, the, the person says, well, yeah, we, we got a lot of people in there today, or they look in and they see a bunch of kids in there, it's concerning. We were really at a place where lack of space was going to hinder our ability to reach more people. So if a church building is not a monument, it's not a medal or a trophy, and it's not the church itself, what is it? And why did we pay so much money and work so hard at having one? Well, here's why. Because it is and should be a place where people can do four important things. The first thing is this. It should be a place where people can come and hear. In Romans 10, 14, the Bible says, How then will they call on him, God, in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? How are people going to know that God loves you, God loves them, and he has a plan for their life? How are people going to know that we are all sinners? We all do things that displease God. But God in his infinite love for us has given his son to come and die on the cross, Jesus Christ, to pay for our sins. And by putting our faith and trust in him, we can have eternal life. We can have our sins forgiven. How will they know that unless somebody preaches to them? Now you may be asking yourself, well, can't we tell people this without a building? Yes, and we did. But the reality is, most of us, and if you think about it, most of us responded to that good news of the gospel 
in a church service, vacation Bible school, some kind of a, a church activity in a church building. Most of us receive Christ that way. That's kind of how it's done in our culture. Even if you are doing a great job of sharing your testimony of how you gave your life to Christ and, and you share with your neighbors and those at work about how your life is different because of God and his son Jesus Christ, even if you share the good news about salvation and you share the gospel on a consistent basis, it gives your story legitimacy when your friends come to church and they hear the same story from your pastor. It's not a better story. It's not a different story. It's repetition of the same story. They hear that what you say works in your life is the same message that the, the church is teaching. I know it was hard to invite your friends into that tiny foyer that we used to have. And you were praying for no rain if your friends came so that you could actually stand outside and talk because you knew you couldn't stand inside and talk very long. You don't have to do that anymore. You can come early before the service and chat with people, build relationships. You can come, you can stay late and do the same. The outside has also changed of our church and it'll hopefully make people more open to the truth of what we're saying because we have kind of a look that is something that makes sense to them rather than looking like a church from the 1970s. I mean, perceptions do matter. You know, many of our subcontractors came here and, and, and they used this term, two of them used this specific term. They said, you know, your church is a little bit, um, you know, bipolar. I, I said, well, do you know our members? What are you talking about? How, how do you know us? They said, no, no, no. When you drive up, it looks like there's probably about 20 old people that go here. And, and because it looks old, it's 1970s on the outside, it, it, you know, and, but when you walk in, it, it seems like it's got a lot of life. It, it, it's probably, you know, you walk inside, it looks like there's a bunch of young families that go here with, with kids running around everywhere. And, and that's, that's really cool. But they said the outside of your building doesn't match the inside at all. Now it does. So that's another barrier that we have overcome. So it's a place where people can come in here, but it's also a place where people can come and see. Come and see what? Well, John 13, 35 says this, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, your neighbors don't generally get a chance to see you do the one another's over the backyard fence. You may be talking to them about Jesus. You may be sharing the gospel with them, but they don't get to see you interact with the people of your tribe, of your church. You may be able to tell them, but they are not able to see it for themselves. They are not able to see the Fogg family operating in love for one another unless they come here and see it. Now, there are literally thousands of stories. The most recent one was yesterday. Uh, Donna Greenwell, one of our members, her mother passed away. And they had a visit. They didn't do a formal funeral, but they did a visitation here. And we set up tables and chairs here in the, the new lobby and, and, and a couple of hundred friends came. And all of them were just so glad to be there. They said the building was beautiful, loved on Donna. But they got to see our church love on Donna. They got to see how our church ministered to her. And it made an impression on all of them. And we don't do that just to say, hey, again, look how good our church is. We did that because we wanted them to see. Well, first of all, we did it because we love Donna and, and God wants to love each other. But it made an impression on them because they saw God's love in action. 
There are 59 one another's in the New Testament. None of them can be done alone. Have you ever thought about that? You can't do a single one another by yourself. And so we need to be together to make those things happen. We need to be together so that people can see us doing those one another's. Those who are still far from God have to be able to see us interact if they are really going to know that we have changed lives because of God's spirit. And the best place for them to see this is right here on Sunday mornings when we're all together. In Colossians 3.16, the Bible says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You see, your friends get to come and see how we worship together. They get to see us encourage one another. They get to see us being collectively thankful for all God has done for us. Many of those who are still far from God think that we come on Sunday mornings to celebrate the fact that we have our lives all together now. Do you realize that? Do you realize that a lot of your friends who, don't, who aren't Christians, who don't know God yet, they think we come here on Sunday mornings to pat each other on the back because we got it all figured out. They really think that's what we do here. But when they come and see, they see that that's not what we're about at all. Nothing could be further from the truth. We come together to celebrate the truth that God loves us and has forgiven our sins through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. We don't have it all together, but we know who does. And our friends and our family need to come and see that. So we build buildings like this because we want people to come in here. We want them to come and see, but we also want them to stay and grow. We want them to learn to be like Jesus In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, God's word says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We want people in our community to come here, hear the gospel, give their lives to Jesus, but then we want them to stay. We want them to stay with us and grow. We want to invest in their lives. God expects us to grow up in every area of life. And in this passage, it takes place in the context of the local church. That passage started out with with pastors and elders in the local body. But couldn't that happen under a tree somewhere? I mean, couldn't we just do this every week? Well, again, a theological question. Of course we could. But how many growing churches do you see in our culture meeting under a tree? I don't know of too many. The vast majority of them do it in a building. This building is where many of you will grow in your faith. You'll be taught uh, good doctrine. You'll be taught the things of God. You will learn how to serve, learn how to serve one another, how to serve Christ. You'll learn and practice your worship. You'll learn how to worship with not just your lips, but with your heart and with your mind. 
You'll learn how to give and, and be a sacrificial giver, be a generous person. You'll learn that. You'll learn how to follow. You'll learn how to parent. You'll learn how to believe and so many other aspects of your faith. Folks, we want people to come and stay here with us and grow. Many of you will also gain much ministry experience inside these walls. In 1 Peter 4.10, the Bible says, And each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now church, the active church gives you a contextual place to grow in service and be a better steward of God's grace. In fact, each of us should be involved in ministry in some form and in ministry in the local church. This is the body, folks. This is the church. We are the Fogg family. God has placed you here. If you're a member of this church, God has placed you in this group of people, and you need to develop and exercise your spiritual gifts and your talents here by serving one another. So a church building is a place to come in here, to come and see, to stay and grow, and finally be sent out to reproduce. This local church should remain a launching pad for ministries and the planting of other local churches. Remember that passage we read earlier in Romans 10? I didn't read it all because I wanted to help you see this part. It starts out this way, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? But look at verse 15. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. We have to be a sending church. Sending, we want to send you to your neighborhood and to your work as a missionary. We are sending you out every week. But also... We need to send those who are called to plant other local churches out to do exactly that. Look how that happened with Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13. It says, now there were in, uh, in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Paul and Barnabas left to plant numerous churches. And at one point, they split up and became actually two church planting teams. We want to be doing that. In fact, we are doing that. Pastor John has gone through, if you are with us and you know about us, Pastor John has gone through a, a NAM assessment to become a church planter. And his plan is over the next year to be in the position to plant another local church. Again, folks, we're not in competition with other good God-fearing God Bible-teaching churches. We're on the same team. We're expected to do that in our own context right here. And of course, Matthew 28, which we uh, talk about a lot here, verses 18 through 20 says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has given, been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's what God wants us to be about doing. 
This building is a shell and a structure to do those things. It is not an end or, or, or even a, a goal of any kind to just build a building. It's not a monument. It's not a medal or a trophy. It's, it's not the actual church itself. But it is a place. It is a place where you can invite your friends to come in here. They can hear how much God loves them and wants to bless their lives. Where they can come and see God's people interacting, where it can make an impression on them, uh, being this case, the Fogg family. And, and if they see us loving one another, they will want to be a part of it. I can't, I can't imagine anybody coming and seeing the way that our church interacts with one another and says, man, I don't want any part of those people. And it's a place where we should stay for a while, stay and grow. And we should do that in every area of our lives. In every area of our spiritual lives, God expects us to grow up and take our next spiritual steps. We should be encouraged and taught how to do that well in this place. And finally, many of us should be sent out to reproduce, whether that is in your neighborhood or your work or to become part of a church planting team. We should all be sent out and reproduce. It's our ultimate goal to grow God's kingdom on earth one person at a time. But the kingdom doesn't grow with brick and mortar. The church isn't any bigger because we built a building. The church is only bigger when people come, hear the gospel, and give their lives to Christ. That's, that's when the kingdom grows. Today we celebrate God entrusting us with another resource to use for his honor and glory to continue to follow his will and grow his kingdom in a more effective and a more efficient way. That's what this is about. You know, one of the things I'm very excited about is that when God gives a resource, and especially one of this size, it is almost always in a response because we have been faithful with previous resources. This is a consistent, uh, a consistent uh, theme throughout uh, God's word, both Old and New Testaments. When you are faithful with little things, God will give you more. We were faithful with a pickup truck moving in and out on Sunday mornings. And, and, and we were faithful. And so God really, in a sense, gave us a building and property. We've been faithful with that, staying true to the mission, uh, staying true to God's uh, uh, desire for us. And now he's given us an increase. Folks, I want to continue the rest of my life in ministry, being faithful to God and seeing him bless us with more and more and more. Not so we have more, but so we can do more. So we can do more. In these two counties, Clay and Platte counties, the two counties north of the river, there are still 300,000 people who have no connection to God. None. Now, it feels like a couple of hundred of them just drove by. Hopefully, we've made an impression on them. But we want this to be a place where those people can come and have their lives changed the same way that God has changed our lives. And if we will do what he wants us to do, if we will be the ministers that he wants us to be, he will use us and the resources that he has entrusted to us to increase his kingdom, and we will see his hand at work. Now, that might seem like just words. But on these days, I am incredibly reminiscent. Incredibly reminiscent. And I remember on day one at the comedy club with 
40 people, 40. Well, actually, there was 86 on the first day, and I preached it down to 40 in the first week. You know, only 40 the second week. But we had a lot of friends come the first day just to wish us well. But there was only 40 people there. And we, we asked the question, God, if, if, if we're faithful to you, if we minister to these people, if we teach them how to minister to one another, and we minister to our community, will you grow this body? Look around you. There's the answer. There's the answer. I want to be standing, maybe not on this spot, but another spot here. Ten years from now when I retire or am senile and you guys make me retire, whatever happens, when, when I'm on my last day here, I want to see this group be double. Not for my sake, not for anybody's honor or glory except God's. What God has done in your life is incredible. And I want to see him do it more. Folks, if we will see this building in the right manner, and we will use it in the right manner, God will bless this community with, with more souls, with more people to, to help us push his vision and his mission forward. Let's do that together. I'm so glad you're here to celebrate with us. This is a milestone today, but it's not the end. It's not the end. There's still more people that need to know Jesus. And, and God wants to send us out to, to share the gospel with them. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful on a day like this to look at all that you have given us. We are so thankful. God, we pray that we will be faithful with every resource you have given us. We pray that you will help us to be faithful with, uh, with money, faithful with buildings, faithful with people, faithful with every resource that is, is at the disposal of this congregation. God, help us to accomplish your mission uh, as best we can. God, we know that you love those 300,000 people in Clay and Platte counties that are still far from you. We know that you want to save them. And God, we pray that uh, we will be telling them. We pray that the reason they don't come to know you is not because we didn't do our job. God, help us, use us in a way that will turn them to you. We love you. We know that we can't change a heart, but we know that you use people to accomplish your ministry. So help us fulfill your ministry. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.